Well, happy Fourth of July weekend, everyone. I know that it is probably a little bit different this year than in years past, with no grand, huge parades and big, huge firework displays put on maybe your cities or towns. But uh, if you're like me and my wife, you were entertained by a three-hour firework display from our two neighbors behind us having almost what felt like a Revolutionary War reenactment last night. But um, we certainly were grateful to fall asleep somewhere, I think, around like 1.30 by the time that they were finally done. So, um, but either way, I'm so glad that people are finding time and finding ways to celebrate and to just be together in community as well. My name is Baxter Colburn. I'm on the team here at Lakeside, and I'm just grateful for the opportunity for those of you that are here and those that are watching online as well uh, to be gathered today. As I was getting ready for this message, I started to think about a lot of just the way that the world has changed since the last time that I had the opportunity to speak here at Lakeside, uh, which was last December. So December of 2019, uh, for those trying to do the math at home, uh, it's been a lot. A lot of things have happened since December. And uh, I wanted to read a couple of those for you because I've always been someone that's been fascinated with those types of lists when you see maybe like a political event happen or a sports record broken or something of that nature. You always see these lists or these articles like here are the 10 things that have happened since X happened. You know, sometimes we see that. Uh, and I wanted to read a couple for you because I've always been fascinated with it and I felt like it's just usually just a crazy indicator of just how fast time flies and how much the world changes over a certain period of time. So these are just a few items that have happened just since the start of 2020. The United Kingdom officially withdrew from the European Union. Many forgot about that. Basketball legend Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gigi and seven others passed away in a helicopter crash. And COVID-19 shut the world down in March. I know, happy 4th of July. But on a lighter note, on a lighter note, um, a few things that have happened since December. My son Rio learned to walk. So that's really cool, kind of a thing for parents. It's always exciting when your child takes those first steps, and now he just runs. He doesn't walk anymore. Um, Derek Flowers was hired here at Lakeside, so something that we've been benefiting from uh, every Sunday since he's been here, so we're obviously thrilled to have that. And then for you sports people, don't forget, the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl. I know, sports, that actually happened, but it's been such a long time since that game took place that I honestly could not remember who was in the Super Bowl. I was like, it was San Francisco, and I had to look it up because I honestly could not remember because it's been that long without sports. But through everything else going on in 2020, it just feels like there's just been so much unrest and uncertainty, especially with COVID-19, especially with all of us having to be in quarantine. But it feels like if you talk to really anybody right now about their general thoughts and feelings about the status of the world, a lot of people are tired, they're confused. I think it's safe to say a lot of us are scared. This is a very unique time in our world's history. Now this weekend especially, we celebrate the 4th of July, we celebrate our independence, and there's one word that is typically very much associated just with this weekend, and we use it in other contexts throughout our lives, but that word is freedom. We're constantly talking about freedom during this time of the year. But right now, freedom holds an entirely new meaning for so many of us, more than I feel like it ever has before, because so many of us are desperate for some glimpse of freedom in so many different facets of our lives. So each of us is looking for freedom from having to quarantine. Each of us is looking for freedom from all of the racial divides and the riots and all of the just craziness that is taking place in the world. 
Each of us is looking for freedom from political unrest. Don't forget, we still have an election in a couple of months. There's a lot of political unrest taking place right now. And I think at the core of it, getting rid of all of that, a lot of us are just looking for freedom to live life how it was even five or six months ago. Our world has drastically changed. If you joined us last week or you're just joining us for the first time, whether that be in person or online, we're so glad that you're here. Last week, Brian talked about freedom, and he focused on John 8 and how Jesus' ultimate sacrifice on the cross has set us free from sin. There's a common phrase that we see in these verses that people use even today. It says, you know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Brian also talked about how in John 8:38, there's this specific verse that Jesus spoke to the Jews that believed in him, and he said this, I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. Basically taking a deeper look at the difference on listening to our Heavenly Father and trusting His plan and direction for us over our earthly sinful culture, our sinful false teachers, our sinful fathers that we have. So last week seemed pretty straightforward, right? A very nice, wholesome message that if you believe in Jesus, you will have this freedom, you will have freedom from sin, and you won't have to suffer from the wages of what death ultimately is. Very wholesome, very straightforward, very reassuring. Well, that's not going to happen today. So I just want to just give you a preview on what that's going to look like. We have a much tougher, a much more difficult conversation that needs to happen. And I think it's one, unfortunately, that our, col- col- our conversation that needs to happen in our culture is just our culture is frankly too selfish to have this conversation. Now, what is this conversation that you might be asking yourselves? Well, the conversation centers around how numerous things in our culture have truly enslaved each of us. Each of us has something in some capacity that has enslaved us. And some of us are well aware of it, and some of us are possibly functioning in that capacity. And then there's a lot of us that have absolutely no clue, and we're completely blind to it, and it's wreaking havoc in our life. Some of the things that are typical that we see in everybody's journey is different, but a lot of us are so focused on our phones, constantly on our phones, whether we're updating social media, we're taking pictures, playing games, whatever it might be, it's the first thing that you reach for when you wake up in the morning to just take a look and see, great, what's going on? Or how many people are trying to talk to me? Or whatever it might be, you're constantly on your device, whether that be by yourself, whether that be when your spouse is around, whether that be when your kids are trying to get your attention because they did something really cool and you missed it because you were more concerned about something on your phones as opposed to what was happening right in front of you. And what about your job? Some of us, maybe pre-COVID-19 or maybe still now, are working towards an ultimate goal. We're trying to climb up the corporate ladder. We're trying to achieve that raise or that recognition that we're so desperate for. We've got this huge project that's taking so much of our time, and so your family suffers, your social life suffers, because you were a slave to this thing, this job, this temporary item that will eventually go away. What about video games? I know a lot of us have either a phone or a tablet or know somebody that spends more time in front of a screen than they do other things. I had a college roommate that suffered from this. He spent way more time in our apartment playing video games than he did in the classroom, and he suffered because of it. But what about the number one thing that most of us are probably thinking about when it comes to being a slave to in our modern digital world? Social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. 
Some of you have no idea what the words are that I just mentioned, but TikTok, for those younger listeners and watchers, they'll understand what that is, but Facebook and Instagram have become this platform for so many of us to feel that is where we draw our value from. How many likes on my picture of my kids? How many likes on this picture of my cat? Whatever it might be, we're more focused on what people think of us there, and it's great because we can control what people see about us. It's this perfect thing to put up a front and nobody can judge you outside of what you put there. Now there's people behind the scenes that know things, but what you put on social media, you're more focused on what people think of you on these platforms that really mean nothing at all. But we're more focused on what that means. We're a slave to looking good and being liked on those platforms. Now what about the big, the big issues? What about substance abuse issues? What about being enslaved in alcoholism or being enslaved in drugs or sex or pornography? All of those things have wreaked havoc on all of our lives in some capacity, whether we know it or not. They have changed the way that each of us lives our lives. So let's be honest here for a second. Each of us has some form of sin that is ultimately trying to pull us farther and farther away from God. Each of us is enslaved to something. But let's be honest, though. It's not easy for us just to say, okay, I get it. I've got all these things. If I could just set them on the table and say, all right, God, you got this. I'm just going to get out of the way. You take care of this, and I'll just stay off to the side. Sounds easy. Sounds great, right? Just to say, great, I'm going to give it all over to God. But the reality is, though, that each of us has a heart that is tempted on a daily basis, and the devil continuously tries to pull us farther and farther away from God because our culture says it's okay. And we're far more focused, unfortunately, about what culture says than what God says. So today, we're going to be looking at 2 Peter 2, 19 through 22, which continues on the conversation about freedom that Brian talked about and provides a very valuable set of reminders for us that each of us needs in our daily battle against sin. So if you've got your phones or your tablets or if you want to join us on the screens and the Bible app, you'll be able to follow along as we start in verse 19. Uh, this was written by the Apostle Peter. In verse 19, it says this, They promised them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. First off, who is this they that Peter is referring to here? I think we all have potential guesses, but to really kind of boil it down and keep it plain and simple, Peter's talking about these false teachers of the day, or even more simple for us, in today's world, to kind of put a context and a lens on it, it's this self-centered, me-first world. That's who Peter's referring to. See, not only 2,000 years ago, but still today, our world promises freedom and victory and prosperity and peace and purpose. And it sounds awesome, and it sounds great, because that's something that we're all trying to get after. Yet, unfortunately, these people that are pushing all of this they themselves have not fully committed their lives over to God. They've got a head knowledge of God, but their lives and their hearts say something else completely different. And that's difficult because when you have these people that are pushing all of this, it sounds really nice. It sounds really easy. Well, yeah, I'd love more money. I'd love a better job. I'd love a better relationship. I'd love just peace as a whole. And it's easy for us to just want to walk in that direction and say, fantastic, please, yes, I'll have some more. But the reality is that is what causes the issues. 
Our culture says it's okay to do whatever you want, whenever you want. And that's so enticing for all of us. Go drink, go smoke, go have sex, go hustle. You do you. And that will give you the freedom that you want. Right? That's, that's what it says. That's so much of what it says. When I, I think of a noisy culture, the one place that always comes to my mind is I just picture being inside New York City in Times Square with just all the noise. For anybody that's ever been there before, you, you know what I'm talking about, but you've maybe seen it on New Year's Eve and all of that with the videos, but just, I picture that just constantly just wreaking havoc, all of that noise, all of that chaos, pulling us in so many different directions, saying, look at me, do this, do this. And that is what so many of us struggle with, and it pulls us so far away from God. See, in all reality, though, it is when we do these very things that ultimately lead us to a place of death and completely move us away and have us this utter separation from God. If you ask just about anybody today, just went up to somebody on the street, socially distanced, of course, and said, hey, what does freedom mean to you? And most of us, in some capacity, would probably say, well, freedom is being able to do what I want, when I want, if you just kind of boil it all down, right? Sounds pretty good, and that's, I think, what most of us are thinking, right? When I want, what I want. Unfortunately, the biggest issues occur, though, when we do what we want and not what God wants for us. That is what ultimately leads us down that path of enslavement to sin and pulls us farther and farther away from God. See, true freedom can only come from God. I overheard a conversation recently uh, with two different people. I know you're not supposed to eavesdrop, but it was fascinating to me. And these people were talking, I believe they must have been friends, and one friend was saying to the other, he said, hey, you really seem to have your life all together. To which the other person kind of laughed and was like, that's not at all true. Uh, I appreciate you saying that, but this person went on to basically explain, I felt like in a very nice way of saying that they themselves are sinners, that they are kind of a mess, their home is kind of in disarray, and they know that they can never have it all together like this friend thought they did, because as being a sinful being, they know that they will never have true freedom and never have everything all together until God themselves are the ones that overtakes and leads them to that ultimate freedom. See, each of us is typically trying to put our best face forward for the world. We want you to see everything that's here. We don't want you to look back here. Just look here. Everything's fine. Everything's great. But it's when we get out of the way and it's like, oh, look at all of these horrible things. Look at all of these battles. Look at all of the sin in my life. And just a spoiler alert for all of you, you all have it. We all have it. We've all got something that we're battling. Whether we share it openly or not, each of us internally is fighting a big battle. We're constantly at war. We're constantly fighting for our freedom. Regardless if we show it, each of us is waging war against sin every single day and trying to avoid that ultimate destruction so that we can find that freedom at the end of our lives with God in heaven. Peter continues in verse 20 by saying this, For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. 
as I was getting ready for this message, I came across a couple of great biblical commentaries that just kind of do a great job of picking apart the verses. And uh, if you're more of a, a Bible nerd or anything of that, I highly recommend you get your hands on some good commentaries and just learn more and pick things apart just to kind of understand the context better. And I found a commentary that really summed up verse 20 so well, and I wanted to read just a snippet about it, especially about the piece about knowledge. And the author had this to say, Such knowledge is accurate awareness about Christ, but it is not a saving knowledge of him. Therefore, these false teachers, or our culture as a whole's efforts, ultimately result in nothing more than temporary and superficial moral reform through religion. The religion of nominal Christianity devoid of genuine faith and repentance. We see here in verse 20 what Peter is saying about how false teachers can't possibly be in Christ because they themselves have become entangled in the world's defilements and they are being pulled and pulled and are ultimately becoming overcome with sin because of that. But these false teachers are so good at what they do. Our culture is so good at painting this picture of how great things are, just saying, come follow me, I'll give you what you need to know, but don't, don't get too deep into the weeds, just listen to what I have to say. And it's so hard because that is very appealing at times. Like I mentioned, with all of the liberation and the peace and the prosperity and the freedom and all of that coming from these teachers, from the world. But in reality, it's completely devoid of the truth of what God actually is, and it's far more man-centered and manufactured. True freedom can only come from God. Look at what Peter does here in verse 21. This is where we really kind of get to start to see him drive home his point of what matters the most about these false teachers and who they don't truly believe in. He says this, For it would have been better for them to have never known the way of righteousness, then after knowing it, to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. Peter is literally saying in this verse, it would have been better for these people that claim they have this knowledge of God or proclaim that they do. They've got this head knowledge, but in their heart they don't believe that. He's literally saying it would have been better if they just never knew about God. It would have been far better because, because they say they do, but their lives and their hearts don't truly believe and don't match that reflection they're ultimately going to be that much more worse off when they go back into the sin. And that's going to wreak so much more havoc on the people that they tried to influence because they themselves were preaching the word of God, but they themselves didn't believe what they were saying. This verse should force all of us at this exact second to stop what we're doing and do a check on our relationship with God. I encourage each of you, just, just take a moment right now I want to ask a couple of questions, and I want you just to take a second and just truly answer and reflect on what it, and where it is that you stand in your relationship. So my, my first question is, where do I stand in my relationship with God? Where do I stand in my relationship with God? And then continue and ask the next question, what in my life needs to change to move me closer to God? I 
And then you finally, you have to ask yourself the final question, am I more consumed and more entangled in the freedom of the world than the freedom that comes from God? Am I more concerned about what the world has to say about me and how the world makes me feel than what God does? See, here's the reality for us. God loves each of you so much. He loves you and you and you and you at home. He loves me. We're all a bunch of sinners. But he loves all of us so, so much. And he sent his only son to die for each of us so that way we could have freedom from sin and from death and be with him in heaven. That's the greatest gift of freedom that any of us could ever ask for. And because of these questions that we just talked about, that is something that each of us should be focused on, not only on a daily basis, but on a weekly basis, constantly taking inventory, taking stock of where we are in our lives and what it is that we're consuming our time with. That is when issues can really start to occur because true freedom only can come from God. But finally, here in verse 22, we see the ultimate gut punch from Peter. He says this, what the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit, and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. Peter's talking about Proverbs 26:11, which I feel like reads a little bit easier uh, and is a little bit more straightforward for what it's saying. It says this, like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. So why the comparison by Peter to dogs and pigs? Well, back in biblical times, dogs and pigs were considered under Mosaic law to be ceremonially unclean. So not many people kept dogs, or frankly pigs for that matter, as pets. I know that's hard for a lot of you dog lovers to understand that dogs were not pets that long ago. And you that are cat lovers, you're like, why would you still want a dog now? <laughs> and I get that. But that is literally the comparison that Peter is making right now because these false teachers of the day are no better than these unclean dogs and pigs that are the epitome of our spiritual uncleanliness and filth. Our world today is the epitome of what unspiritual cleanliness and filth looks like. It's a dirty, sinful world. And the hardest part that we've talked about as well is that these false teachers are slaves to their own sinful desires. They are victims and they are attracted by these false promises of freedom. That's why they themselves try to share it out and saying, oh, come see this freedom, but come see my version of freedom. And then they realize that they try to preach this, but then they themselves are so consumed that they ultimately get pulled away. And so many of us have had that happen to us in our lives or seen people affected by that. This is a major gut check moment right here for all of us in our lives. People who think that they've made the decision to follow Jesus, but in their hearts, it's, it's not there. They're saying, okay, well, I've got this get-out-of-hell-free you know, card from believing in Jesus, so that's cool. I'm going to do that. Maybe I'll put a few posts on Instagram, show people that I love Jesus, take a selfie with my pastor, whatever it is, and they think that's it. They're like, if I live my life generally good, I pay my taxes, not a big deal. But it's the sin that is so deep inside their heart that eventually the world is going to get them and it's going to pull them back into what it is that they've struggled with. 
and then they're going to ultimately be ripped away from what they thought they had because they didn't truly believe. So that's where Peter's challenging all of us, saying, don't just have the awareness of God. Have the official relationship and seek and get that freedom that we see that can only come from God. But when you look at our hearts, that is ultimately where each of us needs to do battle every single day. That's where the battle for freedom happens all the time. I know it might be uncomfortable, and I know some of you are saying, gosh, Baxter, thanks for just ruining my Sunday, but this is the reality of where each of us are at. Talking about sin, talking about separation from God is not fun. I don't want that. I hope none of you want that either. I hope that you want that ultimate gift of freedom that comes to each of us. Before I go, I want to just leave you with a couple of reminders. And as a quick backstory, um, a few weeks ago, my wife was doing some shopping at a used book sale uh, via my mother down in Florida. Uh, they were on the phone, FaceTiming, getting some school supplies. Beckham's almost four, so we started to do some pre-K stuff. Uh, so they were buying a couple of things, and my mom put everything in a box, shipped it up, and it got here about a week or two ago. And Liz opened the box, and there's uh, some notebooks and pencils and you know, all the typical school supplies that she would buy. And she opened one of the notebooks, and a piece of paper fell out and landed on the floor. And she picked it up, and she turned it over, and I kid you not, written on the piece of paper was, in very large letters, nine statements of what freedom is. And it was written back in 2018. It had a little date on the, back of, on the front of it, so that way you knew when this was written. It was written by somebody that was going through their own spiritual reflection and trying to figure out what their relationship with Jesus meant, and they had just left it in this notebook that happened to find its way to Wisconsin. And as I looked at these statements, I realized just how true and how much each of us desperately need freedom. And I want to share these with you today. And as I do, I just challenge you to just reflect and just focus on what these mean for your life. Each of us is looking for freedom. Each of us is experiencing life in a different way. But how can these apply to your life specifically? Freedom is not stressing over the things of this earth. Freedom is giving every concern to God. Freedom is trust. Freedom is following God's plan instead of my own. Freedom is confidence in him and confidently sharing his word and sharing my testimony. Freedom is health, God-given health. Freedom is listening and an eagerness to be patient. Freedom is restfulness. And finally, freedom is seeing God's beauty. All of us are offered the same gift of freedom. And I know that looks different for each of us. And all of your lives look completely different, even from the person sitting next to you. But the reality is each of us have this opportunity to enjoy and to partake in this freedom that comes directly from God. And maybe these reminders hit you in different ways. I know they hit me probably different than it hits each of you. But I look at some of these, and they just shake you to the core. And they're powerful reminders. 
Freedom is not stressing over the things of this earth. Maybe you've got financial issues. Maybe you're in between jobs. Maybe you're concerned about whether or not you're going to get sick or not with COVID-19. But turning that over to God and saying, I'm trusting you and I'm not going to, tr- I'm not going to stress. I'm going to be smart and I'm going to try to live my life, but I'm not going to stress over it and let it enslave me so that way I can focus more on you. Freedom is giving every concern to God, all the things that I just mentioned, and so many more. Maybe you do have that addiction that you haven't talked about yet with your loved one. Maybe you are struggling with something and you haven't talked to anybody yet or you haven't come clean and you can just turn that over to God and see your life changed. Freedom is following God's plan instead of your own. I tell this to my students all the time. Two years ago, Baxter as a pastor was not at all on the cards. Not at all a plan, wasn't on my vision board, wasn't a part of my five-year, 10-year, 20-year plan. And God laughed and said, that's cute, Baxter. And here I am. But it's because I was willing to get out of my own way and say, okay, God, you want me to go to Algoma? Sure. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) let's do it. And I got out of my own way and I trusted God. And what about each of you? What does that look like in your life? What are you stubbornly holding on to? What are you still doing that is ultimately causing divides in your marriage, divides at work, divides in your faith journey, divides with your family, with your siblings, whatever it is, what is it that you are so focused on that you just can't put aside and just let God go to work? God will take care of it. God will take care of you. He loves you. He cares about you. But what can you just put to the side and just trust God to take over and work his plan out for you? I promise you it goes so much better when you do that. I think one of the final reminders that I think just all of us need to hear is freedom is restfulness. We were all pretty much forced into a restful state the last five months. But as things are starting to open back up, as life is starting to go back to normal, each of us needs to still find ways to build this back into our lives and not lose that, whether that's a moment before you go to work in the morning to read a book or do a devotion or before you go to bed, just you know, do a Bible plan app or just take five minutes and just listen to soft music. Whatever it is, go to your car at, the, at lunchtime and just be still. Don't pick up your phone. Don't pick up your tablet. Don't turn the radio on. Just be still. Just rest for a moment. We're all running. This world is so noisy, so chaotic, so demanding, and we would rather try to fulfill our idea of what our lives are, or we think they're supposed to be, and not what God's plan actually is for us. And you might be sitting here this morning saying, Baxter, I don't have this relationship that you're talking about. I I don't have this freedom from God because I haven't made that decision yet. And if that is somebody here today, I challenge you to come find me, come find Derek after the service and talk to us. We care about you, we love you, and we want you to have that relationship with God. And maybe you're saying, I I have that relationship, but I'm, I'm, I'm concerned, I'm confused. Have that accountability. Come find, like I said, come find one of us pastors, find one of the elders, find somebody that you love that will not judge you, that will just love you and listen and help you along that journey. If you keep everything to yourself, if you keep it all 
just focused on what you want and what you're trying to do, you're never going to win. You're never going to be exactly where you want to be because you're fighting this battle alone. You're struggling to find freedom because you're more focused on what you want as opposed to what God wants. Our relationship with God is the best possible thing that you can have in your life. Better than any job, any car, any success, whatever it might be. That true, ultimate freedom from God is what will save each of us. And I encourage each of you to look inwardly today and check your heart to see where you're at with that true freedom that can only come from God. God, I thank you for today, and I just I come before you, Lord, with, with an open heart and an open mind, God. These people of Lakeside are tremendous, and this community, Lord, is continuing to just do so many amazing things. And God, each of us is just fighting. We're fighting not only for our lives, but we're fighting for our eternal lives, God. This world is noisy, it's crazy, it's distracting. And each of us, God, is searching for that true freedom that can only come from you. God, I pray that you come into this place, Lord, that I pray that you just come into these hearts and minds of everyone here, Lord, and you just go to work. Go to work, God, and just lead each of these people to that ultimate freedom. It's free. Relationship, God, and we just want each of them to know you and to love you. And whatever it is that people might be struggling with, whatever it is that they might be feeling so lost and lonely for, reassure them they're not alone. God, we praise you and we thank you for all that you've done for us, for sending your son to die for us.